If you have been at BPC for a while, you know that I love to fish. And about once a year, maybe every other year, I try to gather uh, with my friends and we go up to Canada uh, fishing. And we typically go at the beginning, uh, I'm sorry, the end of May, so the beginning of summer, right when the ice melts up there. Uh, and so typically it's pretty cold. Uh, so there was one year, though, that I remember fishing in a t-shirt and shorts because there was just this unusual weather that came through. And it was a beautiful, glorious day, and we were catching fish all day long, and it starts to get a little bit dark, and so we don't notice these dark clouds begin rolling in. I mean, it's, it's what happens, right, in the springtime. Uh, and suddenly, we realize we're kind of in trouble. So we, we strap down all the stuff, we get the boats ready to move, and uh, suddenly this storm is really kicking up. The wind is whipping and the rain is coming down in sheets. Um, and th this is kind of concerning, uh, but what really is concerning, and I'm talking about guys who have been on boats their whole life, start to get nervous. Now, I'm usually just the guy who's smiling going, you guys are in charge. Uh, but this time, right, they're getting nervous. And what are they nervous about? They're not nervous about the rain. They're not nervous. I mean, there's white caps and the boats. It's this 16-foot aluminum thing that's going, pick, pick, I mean, pop, pop, pop down. That's not it. What they're concerned about is the lightning. And because, you know, we got to cross open stretches of water where you are the tallest thing for a mile or two. And now, fortunately, God preserved our life that night, and nobody got hurt. Today, we're going to talk about a storm. I'll never forget that storm. And the disciples, when they went through this storm, they will never forget this, never in all eternity, because this storm was so violent that here are these guys, right? Remember, some of the disciples are professional fishermen, and they have fished on this body of water their whole life. But something about this storm was so violent and so um, just disruptive that they literally cry out thinking that they're going to die. So we're going to take a look at this passage out of Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me there. There's certainly one in front of you if you're here in the sanctuary with us. Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 35. Listen to the word of the Lord. So on that day when evening had come, he said to them, being Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So let's leave it there for a minute. If you've ever been to Israel, no doubt you would have gone uh, to see the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is a strange little body of water. It's nothing like Lake Erie. I mean, it's, it's small. Uh, you can see all the way across it, and it's unusual because it is 690 feet uh, below sea level, which means that the, they're not really mountains, they're big hills, but these, they look mountainous because the lake is so far down. 
And the, there's caverns uh, between the hills that serve kind of like wind tunnels. And so people who live there today still will say that there are storms that whip up and sneak over these hills in ways that still surprise people. And they can whip up very quickly. But there must have been something different about this storm. Again, remember, professional fishermen, been on this lake their whole life, but there was something that made them say, we could drown. And to be able to scream out, do you not care? And where's Jesus? Jesus is asleep on a cushion, right? Now, how in the world can somebody in the midst of a storm where men, grown men, are panicking, how can you be asleep on a cushion? Now, you might say, well, maybe Jesus, okay, remember, he's not only very God, he's also very human. He's taken upon him our humanity. And so he's really tired. Now, you can make the case, well, maybe he just is really tired, and, oh, maybe he's even a heavy sleeper. But, I, you know, this is not your typical situation where, where somebody is just sleeping. I want to suggest that the only way that you can even remotely sleep through something like this is if you're at peace. You see, if you're at peace and you're thinking, you know what, no matter what happens to me, I'm okay. If you're not anxious about anything, you can have deep sleep. Let me ask you, how's your sleep? Isn't it more shallow when you're going through times of anxiety? And here's Jesus perfectly at rest in the midst of a storm. Clearly, though, that, that wasn't the perspective of the disciples. Again, what are they doing? They are furiously bailing out this boat because it says it's filling up with water. They are intensely trying to make sure that the boat doesn't go down. And they yell out to Jesus, do you not care if we drown? <sighs> now, throughout the Gospels, right, um, there are many times where we look at the disciples and if you're honest, you go, you know, you guys are a bunch of just idiots, right? Like, look, do you not get it? And I think that's in some ways what we're supposed to do because you and I are supposed to then say, Obey, oh, wait a minute, I guess I don't get it either. Okay, but here, here is not one of those places that I, I, I'm inclined to critique. This is one of these places where, I don't know about you, but I feel a deep sympathy here for the disciples because if you've tried to walk with Jesus for any amount of time, tell me, if there isn't been many times where you have been something like the disciples and you have been in the midst of the storm and you've cried out to God, where are you? Why are you not calming this thing? In fact, why in the world are you letting me go through this in the first place? If you loved me, why did you let the storm come? And you and I think, at least in part, God, where are you? My goodness, are you asleep on a cushion? Do you care? So let me, um, in fact, just in case you might think, well, maybe I'm the only one who really thinks this, let me tell you a little secret about our congregation. Um, on the prayer cards that Eric so kindly pointed to you earlier, 
we, we pray through these things every week. And I get reports from our deacons who go and visit people. And I hear reports back about your community groups. At any given time, I'm going to estimate that a quarter, maybe upward of a third of us are going through a storm. You know, we come to church and we wear, oh, nice clothes, right? And we put our smiles on our face. But the truth is, a good portion of us at any given time are going through a storm. And, and if we're honest, there's a part of us that's going, God, when you're in worship, where are you? Why are you letting me go through this? I am deeply sympathetic to these disciples. So is God asleep? Does he really care? Let's look at verse 39. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. The disciples yell. Jesus eventually hears them. He wakes up. He quickly assesses the situation. He stands up in the midst of the storm and he says simply, peace, be still. Catch this. In Greek, he literally says, be muzzled and stay that way. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so try working on your kids that way. Be muzzled, okay? And stay that way. Uh, Jesus said it. It's okay. Uh, Okay, and the astonishing thing, right, is the storm obeys. It's just like a compliant child, okay? And, and he says in the passage uh, that um, the wind ceased, and then there was a great calm. It, I mean, it almost is redundant, right, until you realize that actually Mark is telling us about two different things. He's telling us about the wind, then he's telling us about the waves, now, I don't need to tell you all who have grown up next to a great lake. Just because a storm is over does not necessarily mean that the waves have stopped. In fact, sometimes after a violent storm, the waves are going to continue to whip for what? Two, three days? I remember uh, one summer, I had an internship where I was on Hatteras Island uh, uh, serving a church there, suffering for Jesus on the beach. Uh, and sometimes God calls you. People on the beach need Jesus. Okay, so, <laughs> uh, but I'm there. And actually that summer, a hurricane came through. Now, I, you know, growing up in, in Bay Village, you, you don't get too many hurricanes. Uh, so this was fascinating. And fortunately, it was not a big hurricane. But for a few days afterward, the waves that normally come in this way were coming this way. It was the most bizarre thing because the force of that storm was so strong that it turned up the whole of the ocean in ways that it felt the effects for three days, maybe four afterward. And so here, imagine this. Jesus says, peace, be still. The wind immediately stops. But not just the wind, the waves. The, the, wave, the force of the waves. Some physicist somewhere needs to do the math here. Okay, just stops. It's, it's amazing. And notice what Jesus didn't do, right? He didn't, uh, my kids, uh, Beckett is reading Harry Potter. Okay, he doesn't take out the wand. 
Okay, he doesn't roll up his sleeves and say, okay, let me call on a higher power than me. No, he, he just says, peace, be still. Last week we were looking at Jesus and, and he didn't uh, hesitate to tell the Pharisees who were struggling with this whole idea about the Sabbath. He didn't tell them, oh, by the way, I'm calling on some other power. He said, by the way, I, I not only have the authority to talk to you about rest, I am rest. Come to me if you want rest. And here, Jesus doesn't call on some other authority. He is the authority. And lest we ever forget, people, just because somebody out in the world doesn't acknowledge it, Jesus is the author and the king over all of creation. And the very one who speaks and spoke the creation into being is the one to whom the creation obeys. He is that powerful, and we have to remember this. He speaks, and the whole thing obeys. Now, one of the things that's so interesting about this is it tells us that the disciples were more terrified afterward than they were before. And there's good reason for that. Let, let's take a look at this uh, in verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Um, and so here, it's one thing to be afraid of the storm. You can't control the storm, right? I mean, you're just in the midst of this, I'm afraid of it. But here, all of a sudden, Jesus is far more powerful than the storm. And the disciples realize we can't control him. The power that he has is unimaginable. And that, that strikes fear into them. Why? If you think about it, if God is in control and he chooses to allow the storm to come, well, what type of God is he? You better hope that he's good, right? Because if he's the type of God that does allow storms to come, then let's hope that he's good. C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I hope you've read it to your kids. Um, in this book, the children stumble into Narnia and uh, they're introduced to this idea of Aslan, the Christ figure, the lion in the book. And the, the character says, uh, is he safe? And Lewis masterfully offers this response. Um, which is this, uh, of course he's not safe. Who said anything about being safe? But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, if you have a God who's all-powerful, who can control the wind and the waves, but he's not good, we get a problem. But if he's good, then it's possible, even in the midst of the storm, to be at peace. Then it's possible, even as Jesus was doing, to rest in the midst of the storm. 
And so here, what's kind of interesting is that Jesus asks this question. And in fact, no, he demands it. He doesn't say, hey, children, I totally understand. I totally get why you're afraid, you know. No, what he says is, why were you so afraid? I, I don't get it. Do you not have faith? I mean, it sounds callous, right? Because if I were there, you want to know how I would answer it? I'll tell you why. Because you're asleep on the cushion. We're dying back here. And you're asleep. But then you realize, okay, what Jesus is actually trying to do is he's trying to challenge their premise. You see, behind um, this and their fear is this uh, idea that, you know, if you loved me, God you wouldn't let me go through this. But here, here, this is actually uh, really important. If their premise was that Jesus loved them, he wouldn't let bad things happen to them. Don't we think this sometimes, right? But Jesus woke up and said, if you knew how much I love you, you would have stayed calm. If you knew how much I really loved you, you would realize you have no reason to be concerned. You can be at peace in the midst of the storm. And, and if you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, you know that he is a God who lets us go through storms. Sometimes I don't understand why, but he does. And sometimes after the storm's over, I can look back and I see, wow, now I get it, Lord. But there's other times I look back and I may not understand it until the other side of eternity. But he is a God who allows us to go through these storms and just, we have to recognize that if he's a God who is truly in control and he's good, well, he has his reasons. Uh, Tim Keller puts it this way. If you've got a God great enough and powerful enough to be mad at because he doesn't stop your suffering, you also have a God who's great enough and powerful enough to have reasons that you can't understand. See, just can't have it both ways. And if somehow we know that he's in control, and somehow we know he's good, in the midst of the storm, it's possible even to have peace. Um, in 1735, do you know the name John Wesley? So John Wesley, incredible uh, uh, person in church history. He is uh, an Anglican priest. And he is coming over to the Americas uh, to help the new found settlers uh, to discover Jesus. Well, at the time, he tells us that actually he's not even a Christian. He had only gone through seminary and learned through the books, but really had not had much of an encounter with Jesus. He's on the boat, and on the boat with him are these Moravians. Uh, they, they're Germans who have a deep and profound faith that John Wesley is amazed with. A storm hits the boat. The Moravians are in the midst of a worship service, and here's what John Wesley writes in his diary. He says, In the midst of the psalm wherewith their service began, the sea broke over. It split the mainsail in pieces. It covered the ship and poured in between the decks as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible screaming began among the English. That's him. Yes. And the Germans calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, were you not afraid? 
He answered, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? He replied mildly, no. Our women and children are not afraid to die. The storm was boisterous, but the Moravians kept praising God. Finally, the storm subsided. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I don't always have the Moravian side of the faith. I, I want to tell you, I can present this message to you and, 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 and tell you about it in ways that um, are scripturally accurate, but here's my confession to you. I don't always, I haven't, I'm still working on not being the person who calls out and says, where are you, God? Okay, I, I, I want to be more of a person of faith. And I know some of you are here, and I deeply admire you. Because I've seen you at times stand up and say, we just need to have faith. We need to trust the Lord. And I, and I want to tell you, if you're here today and you're a bit more like me, um, Let's not forget what faith is. See, faith is not something that you just try hard and you muster up and I'm going to perfect it. You know, faith is a gift. Faith is a gift that God gives to us. And so if you're a person who finds it um, more easy to just trust God, praise the Lord because that's a gift from him. But if you're somebody who struggles a bit more like me, here's what I've learned to do. Um, Lord, um, help me to have faith. Please give me this gift of faith. Uh, help me to not doubt. And to pray that God does give you the gift of faith in the moment. So let me close with this. Um, and I hope it does help you uh, to have a bit more faith because it affirms that God is good. Um, Bible scholars have noticed there's this parallel between this passage and another one in the Old Testament with Jonah. So there are, uh, Jonah, if you know the story, he is on a boat. There's a storm that comes. Uh, both Jesus and Jonah on a boat overtaken by a storm. Uh, both Jonah and Jesus are asleep when the storm comes. Uh, they are woken by sailors who are absolutely uh, just panicked, thinking the ship is going down. And then, there's a miraculous intervention, and the storm is absolutely calmed. Okay, so there's the parallel. And, and afterward, the sailors are even more terrified after the storm than they were uh, during the storm. So, uh, which if you know the story well, here's where you say, well, Mark, um, but there's one big difference, isn't there? That how was the storm calmed for Jonah? What happened? Okay, they, they literally took him and they threw him overboard, right? You're the problem, get off the ship, right? And you say, well, Jesus didn't get thrown overboard. And my response is, not yet. Not yet. In a few more weeks, if you stick around, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is going to willingly allow himself to be thrown in a storm, in a, in a sea that is much more uh, raging than any other storm we're in right now. He's going to personally allow himself to be thrown into this sea of sin and death. That is a storm that you and I would never, ever be able to calm. But what Jesus did by going to the cross for you, 
is he absorbed the death that we deserved. He brought peace and he brought calm to the fear, the deepest fear in all of humanity, which is separation from God forever, that my life won't amount to anything, that it's just gonna be death. No, Jesus put that all to rest. And so you might say, well, okay, how do I know? If God is in control and I'm going through this storm, how do I know that he's good? Jesus is the one who died on the cross for you. And he's the one who willingly suffered and threw himself into the sea to bring calm for you and I. And one day that king is going to come back and he is going to calm all storms. All storms. If you're going through a storm right now, let me encourage you. One day there will be no more storms. And one of the things I like to remind people who are going through this, this thing is your storm will not last forever. You're in a season now. And so if I were to put it in the words of this passage, I would say Jesus wants you to realize that he's in your boat. And if he's in your boat, it's never going to sink. And the storm won't last forever. If you have personally invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, he's with you in that boat. And no matter what happens, even if death comes, your boat ain't going down. He's with you. He will always be with you. And, and the storm that you're in will one day come to an end. All storms will come to an end. But until that day, let me ask, do you trust him? In the midst of the storm, do you have faith that he's good, that he knows what he's doing? And have you surrendered enough to say, Lord, I help my unbelief. I want to believe more in you. God is good. And let's encourage one another all the more because you need one another as you're going through this to be reminded when the darkness of the storm is hitting you, you need friends who are gonna tell you, God is good, your boat's not going down, and, and he will be with you and the storm won't last forever. And if you're in the storm this morning, may that be an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father, it is not easy to have eyes of faith in the midst of the storm. You know, it never has been. And Lord, we recognize so clearly that faith is a gift. It's not something that we just come to of our own. It's something that you break through and give us insight. Lord, I pray for the person here today who is in the midst of a storm, seeing the clouds roll in, Maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Maybe it's simply because life just kind of stinks right now. Lord, I pray that you would help them to realize that you are with them and that the boat's not gonna sink. You're not asleep. And I pray that you would remind them that you are good. Thank you, Jesus, that you will return and that one day all storms will be ceased. Until then, help us to trust in you and help us to encourage one another all the more until we see that day come. Thank you for taking away the biggest storm of all 
the storm of sin and death. It's your goodness that you displayed on the cross, Lord, that helps us to have faith. So increase our faith, Lord, and come soon, Lord Jesus. It's in your name that we pray, amen.